It's going to be our final Sunday uh, looking at parables. There's many more in the New Testament we can, we can come back to at a later date, uh, maybe next summer. Um, but wanted to mention to you, and we'll mention it again at the end, uh, next Sunday is going to be a great, great Sunday. Uh, if you were with us last year when Target Dayton Choir joined us, uh, not only in song, but the testimony of uh, God's work uh, in, in one of His kids' lives is just incredible. And I encourage you to come. We're going to have one service next Sunday at 10.30. And we'll have donuts and coffee out in the atrium early if you want to come for that. But come and you will be blessed um, by, by the, the uh, presentation they share with us. And the testimonies are just, are just powerful. Another thing that goes along with that is uh, we'll take up a special love offering at the end of service for that ministry. We love Target Dayton and what they do. And then that evening uh, at 3.45 to 6.30 is going to be a service opportunity. We have many signed up. Uh, right out here in the lobby, you can sign up, or in the atrium, there's two spots. Uh, if you would like to come up and be a part of uh, the, the serving opportunity, what we'll do is be a part of a, a worship hour uh, first, and then uh, we'll help serve the meal uh, right after that. So it'll be a great, great day, and I encourage you to be with us next, uh, next Sunday uh, for that. Tomorrow, Natalie and I are flying out to Colorado Springs uh, to the Alliance headquarters for a three-day uh, conference, and we'll be back Thursday uh, Thursday midday, so we're looking forward to the trip out there and getting to meet other people uh, in the alliance in the alliance movement. But today we're going to be in Matthew 22. If you have your Bible, you can go there. Uh, just a great parable, uh, one that's about a parable of the the wedding feast. And parables do a great job. We've noticed it all the way through of giving us a picture of the kingdom of God, of giving us a picture of what our our Father's heart is like. And not only that, it wasn't just applicable to the day that Jesus was sharing that. It's applicable for today. And we will see that in the parable of the wedding feast. Uh, but weddings are a big deal, uh, a real big deal. Next week, I actually have one, a week from uh, yesterday, a wedding coming up. And uh, weddings are one of those ministry functions as a pastor uh, that everyone is so different. While they're the same you know, things maybe in the bulletin, every bride and groom is so different, every family dynamic is so different. And to go along with that, if there's one thing you never want to mess up and you want to go off without a bump in the road, it's a wedding, right? You want it to be great. Weddings are a big deal. Uh, there's a lot of planning that go into it. There's a lot of money that's spent on them. And uh, they're just a very special day to celebrate uh, the thing that God ordained and created, marriage between one man and, uh, and one woman. Uh, but if you thought weddings today were a big deal, uh, weddings back then would have been something that, that took place for a whole week. As they would invite people in from all, all over the place, maybe the king would have the wedding, they would, they would usually pay for them to come in, give them garments to wear, we'll see here in a little bit. And it was a big, big deal. And uh, it was a thing of honor to have as many people as you wanted to come and be a part of the wedding. And to get the invitation and to reject it, you didn't do that. That was a very bad thing. Uh, so let's read this parable that Jesus is sharing uh, in Matthew 22, it's going to be one through, we'll read about 14 verses, all right? It'll be on the screen or you can use your Bible. Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven, here he goes again, sharing us a picture of what the kingdom of heaven is like, is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet uh, to tell them to come, but they refused to come. And then he uh, sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. 
But they paid no attention and went off. One to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants and mistreated them and even killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. And then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite uh, to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out to the streets and, and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. Jesus goes on, he says, but when the king came in to see the guest, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, how did you get in here without wearing wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. And this little section probably gets taken out of context some, and I'll explain it in a minute. Then the king told the attendants, tie him uh, hand and foot and throw him outside into darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Verse 14, for many are invited, but few are chosen. Jesus often ends his parables with these thoughts. If you walk away thinking, I better get my act together in this particular story that he's sharing with me, right? And Jesus is sharing this parable with this group. It's a, it's a listen up note for them. Listen up to what I have to say. Because what I say at the very end, for many are invited, but few are chosen. A lot's going on in this parable. If we were to talk about who the characters were, and we have every week to start out the parable, uh, who would the king be? It'd be God Almighty, right? That's who Jesus was referring to. Who would the son be that he's having a wedding for? Jesus Christ. Uh, what would the wedding banquet represent in the people that are a part of it? It would represent the church. It would represent you and me. And Jesus is the groom. The church is the bride. We see that language all throughout Scripture. And one day, Jesus is going to come back for His people. Come back for His bride. Come back for, for His church. And so we see Jesus here speaking about a, a father throwing a party for, for a son. And we notice the first group of people that he invited, uh, kind of said, they said no. And they rejected the invitation. We, we noticed that. So Jesus throws an attention point into the parable. And he says he sent out more to go out and to invite people to the banquet. Why? Because he said the, the oxen was already butchered. The fattened calf was ready. It was going to be the biggest, the greatest celebration that anybody could ever be a part of. Go out and share it with everyone. Jesus is really talking about, at the beginning of this parable, the Jewish people. In John 1, verse 11, it says this, He came in, uh, unto His own, and His own received Him not. Jesus first came to the lost sheep of Israel. They rejected Him. And now Jesus sends His messengers out, His servants out, to invite everyone to be a part of the party. Come to the feast. But what did the people do in the parable? They went back to their own work. They went back to the fields. They turned their back to the invitation, if you will. Not only that, they began to, 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 to beat the servants. He even took it as far as they began to kill, they began to kill the servants. And they do their own thing. And ultimately, they reject God. As I think about our culture today, uh, in 2019, 
not just in the States, but around the world, I would argue it's probably one that would lean towards rejecting the things of God. We see it, we see it all the time. But this is good news. Jesus is sending out good news. He didn't tell His servants to, to remind everybody and let everybody know that if you don't get right, you're, you're going to hell, right? No, He said, come to the wedding feast. Come be a part of, of what I have prepared and set up for you. That there truly is a God. And that God went to the greatest lengths, the greatest extents to show us, extents to show us how much He loves us. He sent His one and only Son, right? We talked about this last week that, that Jesus, it talks about in the Bible, lavishes His love upon us. Romans 5 talks about that He demonstrates His love for us. He doesn't just tell us about it. He demonstrated His love for you and for me. He did everything He could to show us how much He loves us. And yet, people still today, and not only in the same back then in the parable, rejected the invitation to the wedding feast. We live in a time, we live in a culture, and many of you probably know it because of the street you live on or the place that you work, that has their guard up when it comes to the things of God's Word. That has their guard up when it comes to the things of the church, right? That has their guard up when it comes to theology and the way of thinking about the things of God. They're rejecting the invitation to the wedding feast. I was doing some research this week of just some statistics of where we are as a culture today. And statistically, few and fewer people are identifying themselves as Christians. Today, the largest and fastest growing segment in our population is, is what some researchers have coined the term as nuns, uh, the N-O-N-E-S. It is those that have uh, either would identify themselves as atheist, agnostic, or those that would identify with no religious affiliation at all, I have nothing to do with that. And here were some of their reasons for that. It's 25% of our population. This is they question uh, the religious teaching is a big reason why they want no affiliation with the things of God. The second most common reason is, is opposition to the positions taken by churches on social and political issues. If the church believes that, if God's Word says that, I don't want anything to do with it. They went on to say smaller but still substantial shares uh, that they say they dislike religious organizations. They don't believe in God. Uh, they consider religion irrelevant to them. Or they dislike religious leaders. And it's a group in our culture that's growing. And it's growing quickly. Called the nuns. Those that have no religious affiliation. They want nothing to do with God. You may be able, not that we're the judge and the jury, and begin to label people, but you may know of some people in your life uh, that would fit into that spot. They're just, they don't want anything to do with the things of God. Another area that's growing faster than, than researchers ever thought was the Muslim community. That they say by 2040 uh, that, the, that Islam in our country will be the, the, the second largest uh, re religious group in our country and it will surpass our Jewish friends. Uh, Buddhism is growing. Uh, we, we see other things growing like Scientology and cults and, and, and Wicca, witchcraft stuff. Sat satanic temples that are being built even today. Stuff going on all around our world uh, that would show the rejection of God. That would show this invitation that God sends out through His Son. Hey, come to the wedding feast. I prepared the table for you. And many in our culture today and around the world look at it and reject it. 
and say, I, I, don't, I don't need it, I don't want it. And not only in Christianity are we rejecting the invitation, but we could say, as we read in this parable, and I think about it all the time in our culture today, we even reject the messenger. It's not now just, hey, no thanks, right? Now it's how dare you? How dare you even talk to me about that? And we see the messenger being taken down, if you will, as we noticed in this parable just a moment just a moment ago. And Jesus is sharing this. It's going on in real life then, and it's going on in real life now. The king sends out the invitation. The servants look at it and say, and say no way. The prophets in the Old Testament, they would come into a community that God sent them to, and they would begin to share, hey, if you don't get your act together, judgment is coming your way. The, the, the message was not always received well, and ultimately they would find themselves being beaten up or at times even, even killed. We know Jesus, the prophecy of His own life, right? He was taken out by the religious, by the religious leaders of the day. The messenger was taken out. The disciples, you go read Matthew 10 when it talks about Jesus was sending out the disciples. It was not a rosy picture that was painted for them as, as they go into different communities and knock on various doors and share the good news of Jesus. He didn't say it was going to be an easy walk, right? And many of the disciples, the messengers, were not well received either as they shared about come to the wedding feast. Come and experience the grace and the mercy that our Savior wants to offer to you. The early church, as they were as excited to death, not by some religious group or because they wanted to build some organized church, they were excited because they saw a man die and three days later rise from the grave and they saw his flesh and blood and they shared the story and they wanted everybody to hear about it. And many of them, were killed and martyred. Were killed and martyred as well. I read an article from Christianity Today this week, and I, I couldn't believe the number, to be honest with you, and it's an estimated number, uh, that estimated uh, 70 million professing Christians have been martyred for their faith since Jesus walked on earth. 70 million Christians have been martyred for saying, I believe in Jesus Christ for their faith since Jesus walked the earth. And I would say even today that more Christians are being martyred today than maybe at any other time in history. From 2007 to 2017, 900,000 Christians around the world. Why don't we hear about it often, right? Most of us don't. 900,000 Christians from 2007 to 2017 were martyred. I encourage you, if you want to follow and learn more about this, follow Open Doors. It's a great ministry, magazine to get. Voice of the Martyrs, one that comes to our house. You can read the stories of Christ followers around the world. Their lives being taken from them simply because they say, I believe and I trust in Jesus, in Jesus Christ. It goes on in the parable. Uh, when this happens in that first group, uh, rejects Jesus or the, the, the king in this parable, he becomes so enraged, and he sends out his 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 his, his, his army, his people, to wipe out the city and to wipe out this group of people. And it shows us that not only if you're going to reject uh, the, the the king, if you're going to reject the the the, uh, the wedding feast, the destruction is going to come your way. And what's Jesus pointing to in this parable? He's pointing to something that this group that's listening to it in just about 30 years is going to experience the very thing that Jesus is talking about. 
That in A.D. 70, we know that Jerusalem was destroyed. There wasn't a, everything was a pebble and a stone. It, everything was taken out. And Jesus is pointing to this group of people, letting them know, man, if you don't come to the wedding feast, if you keep living lives contrary to God, destruction is coming, is coming your way. And sure enough, it did. Imagine this group of people as they're hearing this message for the first time. And they're hearing Jesus share the story that if things don't change, destruction's coming your way. And many in the crowd are saying, yeah, yeah, that's not going to be coming our way anytime soon. Very similar to our culture today. People living contrary to the things of God saying, yeah, yeah, destruction's not going to be coming anywhere. Judgment will not be coming our way anytime, anytime soon. When we reject God's invitation, we invite destruction into, into our lives. And that's what took place in this parable. Listen to what happened. Verse 9. Jesus had already had the wedding feast set up, ready to go. He had butchered the oxen and the fattened calf, his best. So so he said, go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. And this represents the church. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find. The bad as well as the good and the wedding hall was filled with with guests. This new covenant was not just for the Jewish people. This new covenant was for everyone. That God was giving this message of of come to the wedding feast for every man, every woman, every child, the good, the bad, the ugly. Didn't matter where you've been, what you had done. You were invited to the wedding feast. All of the outcasts were welcome into God's house. And it's the great invitation from our Savior. It's the great invitation that was given to all of us. It's the great invitation that none of us were worthy of receiving, but He ultimately sent our way anyhow. And we're called to share this good news, this message of the Gospel, as our vision statement says, to every man, to every woman, to every child. That the wedding's been set, church. You're invited. And our Father wants you to come. That's the good news. But there's also some other news that I need to share that goes along with this story. And it's in this parable as well that there's, there's bad news as well. As we read this parable, it, it talks about the idea of a wedding party. It's this picture-perfect, joy-filled event. You've been to them. You know what they're like. But the other side of not coming to the party and rejecting the invitation is destruction. And the Bible paints the clearest picture as ever. That it's either heaven or hell. We read in Matthew 25 where it talks about Jesus one day is going to separate the sheep from the goats, right? It's either eternal life with our Heavenly Father or it's it's destruction. And the reality is this. One day judgment's coming. It's told all throughout Scripture. As you read in the Old Testament and the New Testament, when did destruction come often? When these groups of people or kings and leaders were were leading godless lives. They were leading lives that were all about themselves. They were calling untruth truth, right? And how many of you would give a nod of head that that's kind of the culture we live in today? That there's destruction, there's judgment, there's 
stuff all around us we call bad good. We call untruth, truth. And obviously we're not God, right? But I want to pause for a moment and do our best as uh, finite beings to put ourselves in God's shoes for a moment. And just ask the question, what must He think of our world today? What must He think as He looked over Dayton, Ohio last night? What must He think as He witnessed El Paso yesterday? What must He think as He sees people indulging in the flesh, living immoral lives? What must He think as He sees the pride and the arrogance and the godless lifestyles that are going on every single, every single day? What must He think as we've tried to redefine things in Scripture that He's made so clear with human sexuality and marriage and the list goes on and on and on that what does our God think? I think it crushes the heart of God when He sees those that He's created, that He's given free will, choose the things of this world over over Him. I want to read to you this passage I just looked up this morning. I've preached out of it before, but I want to share it with you to to give you a picture of what the Bible talks about the end times will look like. And uh, if this doesn't sound like today, I don't know what does. It says, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, maybe the saddest of all, verse 3, without love, a culture without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, is that everywhere, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, listen to this, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And the most sobering words of all in verse 5 that probably paint the most perfect picture of our culture today, having a form of godliness, but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. Having a form of godliness, giving God all the lip service of telling Him how great He is, right? On Sunday but living the rest of our lives like He doesn't exist. And that's today. That's now. And the Bible talks about that's what culture will look like in the last days. I would say we're in those days. We're in the ballpark, right? And I, I, I want to share this with you today, that there's a wedding feast that's prepared, and everybody's invited. Everybody is welcome. But we can't come to God on our terms. Uh, we got to come to Him on, on His terms. By what He says. We can't make up things and go down our own path. So while there's all types of morality type indicators, I would say there's even more indicators going on in our world. As we see things beginning to align and take place, that there's imminent threats truly all around us. That there's literally religious uprisings that are taking place all, all around the world, all of which are talked about in Scripture. There's killings. There's beheadings. 
There's slavery that's more rampant than, than ever, ever before. Rape. Uh, more and more countries than ever before have nuclear weapons, right? Uh, more and more countries, we're, watch, we're watching literally whole countries go bankrupt. We're watching entire countries being taken over by neighboring countries. We're watching evil at every turn. And today wasn't a day for you to run to Kroger and, and get all your end days, you know, your last day's stock in your pantry today. But it was to let us know, as this parable is letting us know, we need to be prepared. It's not my job to stir up fear today. There's a lot of people that, that, that use fear to control people. But we're not, I'm not called to stir up the fear part of it. But I am called to make sure the church, the one that He's called me to shepherd and lead, is prepared. Are you prepared? Are you ready? There's no greater time than right now for you to get in the game. For you to be maximizing all your gifts, all your resources for the Kingdom of God. To accept the invitation, to to come to the the wedding, to come to the feast is what what we're called to do. I want to close before we go into uh, our communion with the end. Uh, there's a man at the end that uh, Jesus kicked out of the wedding party. Uh, you thought we just had wedding crashers today and movies about that, but there was a wedding crasher in this party as well. And it said, but when the king came to see the guest, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. And he asked, how did you get in here without, wearing, without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. And the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. Everybody's invited to the wedding party. But this parable teaches us that not everybody's getting in. That we have to come to God on His terms, not our terms. And this guy tries to come to the wedding party without being clothed in in what was given to him. Often if you went to a wedding party, the king would send you the garment or the clothing that you were supposed to wear to the wedding party. And we usually wear our best to the wedding party, right? Well, this man showed up to the wedding party and he wasn't wearing it. And spiritually speaking, Jesus is letting this group know and letting us know that we must be clothed with the right thing. We must, be, we must be clothed with Christ. We must be with the, have the right garment on. Or we're not getting in to the wedding feast. We're not getting in to the party. The only way to be in right standing is language we see all over the New Testament that we need to be clothed in Christ. Galatians says it this way, Galatians 3, 26-27, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you were baptized into Christ. Uh, all of you that were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. While every single human being is the creation of God, He created all of us, not every single human being is a child of God. And the only way that happens is by us confessing with our lips that Jesus is Lord so we can be adopted into the family of God. But we have a part to play. We have to accept the invitation. We have to accept the invitation to the wedding feast. So have you done that? Have you accepted the invitation to the wedding feast?
we look at this parable and think, how could a God in heaven throw a guy out? How could he wipe out a whole city? And I look at it and say, I see grace all over this parable. Grace and mercy. Did the king give him a chance in the first place to come to the wedding feast? He wanted everybody to come. He sure did. They rejected him. Did this man have opportunity to come to the wedding feast and be a part of it? Man, he did. But he lived a life separated from God. So today, are you sure you're in? Have you accepted the invitation to the wedding feast? 